the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 22, recorded Wednesday, November 20th, 2013. Stream of Consciousness. This is EdTech, the education-focused show put on to you by the fine folks at Aviation. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Hello. How are you? Welcome. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and if you're watching it, thank you so much for watching. Uh, with us this month, we have Scott Tyner. Scott is uh, up in the great northeast at Bates College. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh. Uh, further down the coast, much further down the coast, his name is Mike Brandis. He is at Palm Beach Atlantic. How are you, sir? Great, good to be on. And in a balmy <laughs> Los Angeles UCLA um, bunker, his name is Greg Brown. He works for for UCLA. How are you, sir? I'm I'm alive and well, but it's it's 62 degrees outside, and um, our our offices here are not heated, and that is why I'm wearing a jacket. And it's a good thing I brought one; otherwise, I would be running the space heater. But that makes all manner of racket over the microphones. Just out of curiosity, why, besides the fact that you're in Southern California, why don't you guys have heat? Um, Is that the reason? Actually, the HVAC guys tell us that we have heat. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just... it's kind of one of those Brave New World-ish, um, you have heat, but we really don't have heat, but you have heat. Okay, I understand. So... So you're supposed and, to have and, it, but you don't really have it. Right, right. All right. And and yes, I haven't figured out my lower third yet. That's man, you know what? I wasn't going to mention it. I was, I really wasn't. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to poke fun at the at the guy shivering in the corner. So uh, this month we're going to talk about uh, some of our our worst case scenarios, our worst uh, nightmares as far as classrooms. Uh, in addition to that, we're going to talk about some digital things, uh, both from Extron and Crestron. Uh, and also talk a little bit, oh, good Lord. What, did I say Extron? I didn't mean to. Uh, first, we're, we're going to kick it off with an article written by our, one of our very own, uh, Scott Tyner, on the Rave Pub's uh, blog. Uh, Scott, you talk about uh, digital and, and how the, the whole video thing is coming together. Um, first and foremost, uh, what exactly, you, you were talking about how video over the network is, is working currently and how it should be going to something else. Um, real quickly, where do you see video over the network going uh, on campuses? Well, I think that um, from, from my, so from my perspective, I, I think we've talked a lot about um, video over, over CAT6 or HD base T. Um, but what I'm starting to see and think about is video over the IP network, video and audio over the IP network. And so a little bit what I wrote about there, and we've started doing it here at Bates, is, you know, everything is over the network. So all of the wires we run, you know, how much Cat6 or Cat5 do we run now? We run it almost all, everything we do is, is that. So a lot of what we do if we can is we always go back to our network closet. And so for right now, we're just patching back. We're not actually going through a switch. 
we're patching back into our own rooms. But when the day comes that we are going to a switch, we're ready to go. We don't have to run any wires. We can just flip it over. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of hesitation still in that. Um, it makes me really nervous to think that, you know, if, if there's a network hiccup, which happens, that um, not a classroom on our campus would work. Although we're not that far away from that now with some of our digital media stuff. You know, our crush on equipment talks to each other over the network. And so if there's a problem with the network, they're not communicating with each other. Um, but I think the really interesting thing is that any, any point, any time you want to think about getting video from point A to point B, that any place you find a network connection, you can do it. Um, and so it's not just the Crestron piece. It's also, is, it, it, uh, I don't know if you've mentioned it yet or not, but the, um, the Extron piece that, they, that, uh, was, that we're going to talk about as well. Well, and it, it, the, real quickly, why does it make you nervous? Because, the, and I, I agree with you, the, the, the fact that having any place you have a network job, drop, having video and audio there and being able to send it from one place on campus to another, uh, Bates is a lot like, like Lewis and Clark, the, the college I work for. We have several different buildings, and let's not even talk about UCLA, who's, you know, who, good Lord, who knows how many buildings they have. But we rely on the Internet now, and we expect those, all those drops to be live, and, and nobody's really been nervous about not having Internet connection, right? Nobody's been really been nervous about not having that. So I see this as, as the next progression um, what what part of that makes you nervous, or is the fact that you're relying on something that's not necessarily you know point A to point B? Is that what makes you nervous? Well, it's it's a great question, Tim, and I and I think part of it is um, history, right? It, it, I I want everything that if somebody's going to look at me and point a finger, then I actually want to be responsible for that. Okay. Um, I'm not fully responsible for the network, but here I'll, I'll actually I'll, I'll throw a bone to my network guys. Um, I would say that um, our network goes down a lot less than um, technology in a classroom fails. So, you know, it's not like things are going to start getting, you know, horribly bad because they're over the network. I think for me it's just that it, it, it's, not, it's not in my wheelhouse. It's not something I'm directly responsible for, and that makes me nervous. And yet it's kind of like too bad. Um, <laughs> it's the way it's going, so get used to it. Well, yeah, and, and I'll, I will give you that, and I'll agree with you on that, where you know, you're not responsible. Your hands aren't the one touching this. Uh, you're not the one responsible for the backbone. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that nervousness. Uh, Greg, when it comes to not just UCLA, but just colleges in general, do you see this as the way we're going, or um, are we still going to be hooking up VCRs to, to projectors? with a coax cable? VCRs, you mean like this one right here? Oh, Lord. Um, Hey, props. I know. Um, I, eventually, yes. I mean, I, I think it's it's a few years down the road, but it will be the great RJ RJ forty five, and everything will go in and come out RJ forty five, and and you know, spring will come to Narnia, and everything will work perfectly. <laughs> um, now we'll all probably be retired by that point. Uh, even Scott, um, actually. Now I can probably say even like Mike, um, but um, uh, it's that's a long way down the road. You know, we're we're nowhere near that here. I mean, with our I've I've railed about our what thirty three IT departments or whatever it is. You know, Scott makes some good points about you know responsibility, and part of the problem we have is that you know nobody's ever responsible for something when it fails. Um, 
you know, you also mentioned uh, the the pickups of data going down. You know, we got one classroom that just poof went offline um, probably about two or three weeks ago now, and they've they've even pulled new data cables, and nobody can figure out why we don't have data. And it's just a little merry-go-round of you know who's got the paperwork now and who's trying to check what. And um, so yes, we're going that way. Personally, we're nowhere near it. You've got a classroom that's been down for three weeks. Seriously, as far as the the data, uh, the, the data yeah. Wow, somebody that's that's longer than normal. But okay. I mean, <laughs> that's. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's on, a, a, a on, damning on, endorsement, isn't it? But but it's it's not untypical, not atypical for us. Every every couple of weeks for a a room to just poof, you know, go offline. You know, they, you, 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 I'm sure you also have the 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 tons of Cat Five and Cat Six pulled up above the ceiling. You know, in in no particular organizationally organizational way, and you know, you get. You get Bubba up there crawling around, and he steps on, you know, one of the cables, you know, between him and then some angle iron, and poof, there goes your data in some classroom hundreds of feet away. You know, then it takes forever to figure out what happened. Okay, something we've learned today. There's a guy in Southern California named Bubba. I never <laughs> would have guessed that. It just, it just seems whenever the HVAC guys, oh, here, now I'm, I'm digging on the HVAC guys. Yeah. You know, I guess, I guess I'm never getting heat now. But it just seems like whenever the HVAC guys are up there in the ceiling of any of the hallway, it's some some great big guy who's up there like just thrashing around with you know wrenches and hammers and my data lines are up there with you, dude. You know, it's not giving me a warm fuzzy feeling. Not to mention your you're not to mention your fiber is up there too. So uh, yeah, we don't fiber. have much fiber around here. Well, uh, Mike, we'll we'll continue this conversation with you. I'll come back to fiber in a second, guys. Uh, when it comes to not just uh, obviously Palm Beach, but also um, you know education places in general, do you see this is where we're going, or is, are you more on the camp of of Greg, where we'll get there eventually, but all of us will be in some sort of retirement home by then? Well, I've got a long time till I retire. I've probably got another forty years, so Ooh. we'll just we'll just go ahead and camp on me being here for a while and for it. Um, he's he's clearly getting the hang of this real quick. <laughs> yeah. I don't quite have uh, 40, so go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely see everything moving to IP, and at least in my time here. Um, especially, we're a multi-campus university. We have campuses two hours away and 40 minutes away. So, you know, the more we the more we can send things over IP, the better. Uh, the more we can use our you know our metro connections to to handle things, the the better. I see a time when eventually everything's done over the network and. We have an unlimited back end. Right now, we're not there, uh, but we are getting closer. I just don't see it happening within the next, in the next maybe three to five years, but I definitely see 10, 15 years down the road, everything being done over the network. Okay, so let's bring this back around to two things, first of all. Um, the infrastructure, right? Uh, Greg mentioned the great, the great uh, RJ45, and as great as Twisted Pair is, there's only so much it's, good, it's going to handle. Uh, we've had conversations, not just on this show, but others as well, and, and just talking to, to people in the industry in general. As much as some people poo-poo the whole idea of 4K and, you know what, it's just, you know, it's an, another 3D, which I don't personally believe. It's another resolution. And eventually 8K. Cat5 is not going to handle that, at least not in its current iteration. It just simply won't. 
So you've got to move to fiber. And the problem that we've all had, that I've personally had with fiber, is the fact that it's so stinking expensive. And maybe by the time we get to 4K or 8K, it will the price will come down. Uh, Greg, we'll start with you on this one. Are we? Is do you think that that Cat Five is going to be able to to handle this, or are we going to be forced then at that point if this is the the way we're going? If if um, you know video over IP is is the way we're going to have to go, then are we going to have to pull out? You know, use our RJ forty fives, use use our Cat uh, Five and Cat Six as pull cables to pull brand new fiber through. That's that's a tougher call because I I see it getting you know what we can do over fiber I think is going to continue to increase, but you know as we're seeing already you know what are you pulling cat five for why aren't you pulling cat six or why aren't you pulling cat seven, you know there's there's always something new down the road and they're going to continue to do that, whereas they they can do that with the cat cables I I my impression at least is that they're that's a limited a little bit more limited with fiber. You know, once you've got fiber, you're covered for, you know, until even micro tires, and so, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I've, I have a, a tougher time calling that. I think it's going to be we're going to be doing more impressive things with Cat Five. There's going to be a push to be doing more of the Cat Six and Cat Seven and shielded stuff, and also to pull fiber. I, I see a little bit of a mix. I don't see that one as being real clear. Okay. Mike, where do you see this, the infrastructure for this going? Are we going to be able to keep um, keep uh, Cat 5 and Cat 6 and Cat 7, category cable, let's call it, or are we going to be uh, forced into fiber maybe uh, quicker than we may want to? I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll, there will be some iteration of Cat that will always be available, uh, whether by the time we move there it's cat eight or whatnot. I don't even pretend to know. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, we'll be pulling fiber everywhere. And, uh, you know, everything moves fastest on fiber. It's just the optical, you know, cable will handle a lot more than category cable twisted pair, you name it. Um, I think eventually, eventually, you know, one of those, not now, but eventually, yeah. uh, we'll be pulling fiber everywhere. All right, Mr. Tyner, you've got the last word on this one. Uh, are we Next doing. Month. Excellent. Um, are we are we uh, are we in for a category cable for the long haul here, and, and maybe eventually get fiber, or are we going to be forced into this whole fiber light glass thing quicker than maybe we want to? Uh, I think that we I think that we're going to be using uh, cat wire for a, a long time, for the foreseeable future. Um, I think that we're going to see more things go IP based on cat wire than. Um, before we start seeing things go to fiber. Fiber is one of those technologies to me that it's been around for a long time. It's, it's great for these high-speed connections between buildings and between closets. But this promise of fiber to the desktop has never panned out, and I think there's a reason for that. It's, um, it's, it's harder to install. Uh, it's more expensive. So I think there will be a different technology, um, and I don't know what that is, but I, I don't think it's fiber as we know it today. Okay. Uh, moving on to some more video over IP stuff, uh, Crestron released their new card, and it's a streaming video card. Now, <laughs> here's my problem with it. Um, yes, I get the whole idea of sending it over, like Mike's got multiple campuses, and sending it, sending whatever your, the lecture is uh, to the different campuses over IP and streaming that. Get that. Uh, or if you have Blackboard or some other... 
uh, content um, software you want to be able to, to broadcast out some sort of lecture or you know maybe it's graduation or what have you, you want to put it on the website. Get that, no problem. But Crestron, who has made many bones about their DM stuff being HTCP compliant, and you've got to be HTC compliant, and you, you've got to protect the content. You have to make sure your content protected. This thing has zero content protection, and that's what gets me about this card. I love it. It, it makes sense for a lot of different reasons, except for this one small tiny thing. You put a Blu-ray of, of Batman in this thing, you're not getting that out the streaming. And the first person that does it and calls technical support and asks why this thing doesn't work is going to get a rude awakening. Um, Scott, we'll start with you on this. Is this, what? I shouldn't say what were they thinking, but is this, does this product make sense in the whole scheme of HDCP and, and keeping everything content protected? Or is this uh, something I shouldn't worry about when it comes to content protection and everybody who's buying this card fully well knows that they're not going to get content protection out of it. Uh, so, uh, first thing to me, Greg, it, it, what, what you're saying is um, is news to me. I actually thought I had read the opposite, um, that it was HDCP compliant. You can't, you know, you can't get HDCP compliance on a streaming, device. there's no way, there's, there's no, there's, the, there's no key on the other end, the whole, the whole, the, the, there's the player that, that provides the key and sends it to the other end to the display, there's no way to get that back if you're streaming, right? Because what do you do? T tap every computer that's streaming your your uh, your your uh, lecture, and that there's there's no way to do it. Right. So the this device, though, I, I think I so I hear what you're saying there. So I, I think that what they're saying is HDCP compliant is if you're using their box on both ends, right? They've got a transmit and receive box. Okay. That's that's the way I'm reading it too. I'm I'm yeah. here looking at the article and it says, uh, real time transmission of high resolution HDCP compliant HDMI DVI or RGB video across standard IP networks. So yeah, if you're using the transmit receive box, yes. um, I I I'm interested. It'd be interesting to know what, what that what that standard is, right? Because like you said, with a, something over an HDMI cable, you're getting those those um, back and forth communication instantaneously. You're going to get it pretty fast over IP, but you're not going to get it as fast as they need it now. So they've obviously done something in the compliance to to say they're <clears throat> compliant. But you're right. If you're multicasting this out, then obviously you're you know you're not HDBC compliant at all. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, and again, like you just said, if you plug a Blu-ray player into it, how does it know whether you're multicasting or sending it to another transmit receiver? When I looked at this device, the thing that I really thought was – there's two things I thought was really cool about it. Number one is I would be so excited if when Extron bought – you know, they, this is the company that they bought three years ago. I, I can't remember the name of it right now um, that, is, that this codec is part of, mm -hmm. and at the time they bought it, it was very little news – um, nobody really paid. I mean, it was kind of like, what the heck are they doing? If 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 Extron has been looking to the future, and now all of a sudden it's like, we're in the game. I think it would be super super cool and exciting for the industry. Um, I can see this in in a lot of places where this is a device. You send a computer from my office, you know, running a your digital signage or anything. I, I, this product has got a ton of potential for me. Um, the okay. question is whether they can. <laughs> time out for no time out for a second. We'll, we will get to that product. I'm talking about the the Crestron DM, the MCO, the the streaming card from Crestron. Oh, I thought we were talking about. Oh, no, well, I, I we'll heard get the wrong we'll get there. Con. We'll get there. The wrong. Uh, oh, it tripped okay. us both up on that one. Then. <laughs> Sorry. So, 
Okay. So the Crestron streaming the card. The Crestron streaming card. Erase, erase, erase. Yes. Um, okay, so let's go back. I yes. think the Crestron streaming card is 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 cute, is nice. It, it has cute. nowhere near. <laughs> Were you going to say nice. cute? I was going to say cute because that's really what it is compared to the Extron <laughs> thing. It's got it, the Extron thing. It's got nothing on the Extron thing. The Extron thing is all over that that card. Well, and, and I will give you that in, in the terms of keeping the content protection because you're right. When, if unless you're multicasting the Extron part, um, they're they're able to to keep the content protection. And that's my biggest beef with with the Crestron card is that there's, you know, you like I said, you put a Blu-ray player a Blu-ray disc in, you're not going to get that content protection. And I'm afraid that people are going to buy this and assume that since it's DM and, and you can put it in an eight by eight chassis, it's there's there's going to be content protection. Um, just by default. The the only reason and here here's actually one of the reasons that I um, that didn't surprise me, Tim, is we use the Capture HD mm -hmm. a lot here at campus, and essentially the streaming part is technology that either they stuck into the Capture HD or pulled out, however you want to look at it. And we you know obviously it's capturing, so you couldn't you we already had HDPC issues there, so it, my mind automatically skipped over that with the Crestron piece. But you are right, um, if Crestron is pushing this as the the technology. The video distribution of the future, and they're not including HTCP. They've they've forgotten something. They have forgotten something. Yes, uh, Mike, is this it, 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 well? Is this product cute? Like uh, like, like Scott said, <laughs> it's downright adorable. It's downright adorable. <laughs> it's a troll doll. It's with the fuzzy hair. Um, I, <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> it is a visual. Yeah, sorry. I've got the troll here going today. Um, what do you uh, What do you think about the whole the streaming card from from Crestron? I mean, there's certainly aspects and scenarios and situations where it works and it's a benefit, um, but it doesn't handle HDCP, so it's not fully there. I mean, it's one of those things that you know it, it'll work for streaming, you know, a lecture from a recital hall. Uh, to a web player, but you know, obviously, you can't include a lot of the content that they're using for the lecture uh, because it's not protected. So, I don't know. It, it serves a small market. I'm sure some people are really excited and they have applications where they're stoked to use it. But uh, for me, it just doesn't make sense to put in right now. And one of those people that's excited to use it is Greg Brown, aren't you, Greg? <laughs> we, we've actually talked about it. We don't have a lot of the um, the the DMMD switchers um, okay. having a grand total of one actually um, uh, we, so we don't really have right now the option to use this although we've got some rooms where we've talked about we might go with the DMMD in place of the the all-in-one uh, media presentation switcher um, because of this card and the thought being there is um, like uh, like Mike mentioned, the the um, I think the sending it to a remote site um, overflow, just taking the content of the classroom, and you're changing what's on my screen, and it's Sorry. disconcerting. Um, uh, that sort of thing, not not streaming uh, protected content. Although I can see if you're hooked up to the inputs, you know. The chances are inevitable that yeah the first the first person using the system is gonna you know throw on the DVD of Batman and bring everything crashing down because that's just the way our world works now, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the thing is, and for some reason we always use Batman as the as the Blu-ray. So, 
Uh, all right, let's now let's talk about you the, are our Batman, Tim. Thank you very much. And, I appreciate so that. One, one last thing I'll say yes. about, about Crestron and, and this device because I've used I can't say I've used this device. I've used I've used their streaming technology out of the Capture HD. Um, it, it's it's okay, and as as somebody on on Twitter just indicated, we should say it has a nice personality, and that's that's about it. <laughs> uh, it's it's very very glitchy. Okay, let's. <laughs> It has a nice personality. <laughs> I like that. All right, let's move on to the the box that we that that you guys wanted to talk about. Oh in the God, they can watch us live now. Yeah, so you didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, they can watch us live now. Uh, oh, extra yes. <laughs> now stripping HDMI streaming encoders and decoders. That's a scary. Thought. This is the box that you guys wanted to talk about, and I will give you that. <laughs> it's it's a neat device, uh, and yeah, it, this came out of their. Um, out of their purchase, uh, I don't even remember the name of the company now. Do you, Greg, uh, Scott? The name of the company that they actually purchased. I, you know, I, I could, um, I could find it in just a minute um, right. because I actually wrote another blog about it. Uh, but anyhow, so yeah, it it came out of that purchase a couple of years ago. You're right; it wasn't a whole lot of fanfare about it. Um, the thing that gives it a little bit more credibility over the the streaming one from Crestron is the fact that yes, it it maintains content protection. It does so though with having an an encoder and a decoder. So that uh, you would assume then that the encoder and decoder are actually trading the keys to keep that content protection. So exactly. Now, Scott Tyner, talk about the greatness of this oh. Extron box. So I've already told you. I mean, this this thing's got more than a, a good personality. This thing is uh, this thing's a keeper. Um, it, it, it here's what I really love about it, right? Because this is what happens all the time. We've talked about it so many times on this show, and we've called ourselves Crestron fanboys. Um, Crestron all, did exactly what they always do. They come out with this product that's that's really cool and that you're going to get interested in. Um, but in the end, what the heck is going on? I don't know. Is You've that, got a window open on your computer. Yes. Oh, I, I guess I do. This is very annoying to me. So I'm going to keep going and, and pretend <laughs> yeah. that didn't happen. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Crestron comes out with this device that is um, very cool, um, but not quite there. And that's what they did with their streaming device. Um, Extron came out with this product that is completely there. It's completely ready for, for prime time right now. And I could actually see some uses today with this product. Now, let's let, let's be honest here. This... This may be one of the few times that Extron's done this in the last few years, where they've come out with a product that you know it works. So uh, on you know on site and not just on the on the showroom floor. So uh, well, they've come out with, they've come out with the product. you know Extron often their products when they come out always work very well. I never feel like I'm being beta tested. No, 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 no. Extron product, right? Yeah, but just some, it, it 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 felt like a couple times the last few times they were at, at Infocom and other trade shows that. They were showing you that the the X series comes to mind, uh, where you know here's this great product, and then you don't see it for a year or two years. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely. that was very typical of Extron. Yeah, of, so, yeah good you know, for running, them for what like eighteen months behind, um, you know, announcement and and when they're actually delivering, and it's like, um, you know, that that's not a product. That's like a marketing idea. Well, and they were good at that, so. Uh, Greg, what do you yeah, think about this 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 product here that that they're apparently already shipping and, and good for them? Uh, what are we talking about now? The Extron one? Yes, sir. The Extron <laughs> one. They they are slick little boxes, and I like that they have uh, their own little standalone um, uh, catching boxes, if you will, receiving boxes, which um, which uh, uh, 
yeah, you know, you know me. I'm, you know, he's technical on all that those way. Tech, technical terms and gobbledygook. Um, they, um, I like what they did there. You know, the uh, Crestron doesn't really have a a, a version of that to, to put on the other end. So we were actually looking at the the Extron also initially for some of these. Um, um, you know, remote site type applications, you know, uh, streaming it to a uh, uh, breakout location on campus or multiple breakout locations. So I think they did their homework on those on those on that stuff. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I was looking at it for was the fact that you've got just like Mike, we've got several different locations uh, throughout town here and, and it, you being able to do that um, across our campus uh, from one building to another uh, would be very useful. So, Mike, when it comes to this little box from Extron, um, yay or nay on it? Yay. I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, their VN Matrix stuff, uh, you know, it does everything, you know, we just mentioned that the Crestron box doesn't do. Not that necessarily one manufacturer is, of course, better than the other, but it answers the need that everyone's looking at right now. How can we stream HDCP content? How can we host full lectures uh, with without having to amend what we're doing on-site for those off-site and this this box allows you to do it, and it's uh, not a huge footprint. So you just put the decoder right on the the projector, plug it in, or plug it into a switch, and just label it remote site button. It's it's perfect. I mean, uh, granted, I don't know what the price is, uh, but it seems like one of those things that could be useful in a host of applications, and not have to change what you're doing on site for the remote location. Unlike some streaming devices that don't quite handle HDCP. So I, I think for me, Mike just hit on a huge piece of this, which is what is the cost going to be? And I, some of their other stuff with this Kodak 3 in it has been ridiculously expensive. If, if if <laughs> if Extron can find a way to, to make this affordable and approachable, I'm not saying give it away, but, you know, I, we're not, let's put it this way. I'm not paying 10 grand for those two boxes. So if they can make – if they can find a way that this ends up in – you know, five installs for each of us. They've got they've got a pretty good deal going. Okay, Scott. So so if if Extron's listening to you and they're actually closer to to Greg than they are you, what what price what price point would you want? I would think that I would pay two thousand dollars for for the boxes together, both so, boxes. So both boxes together, but so basically a thousand bucks a pop. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. I, I think that's more than fair. I mean, you start talking about any other uh, network streaming device, and you're in the same ballpark uh, mm -hmm. between you know between nine hundred to you know twelve hundred bucks uh, a piece, uh, depending on the did, company. Did anybody look up the price of these, or are yeah, we not doing uh, our homework again? It's listed as call for pricing, so which is always uh, dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> always right, dangerous, which, regardless which of who it I, is. I I it, I can say this because I just raved about it. I have done that. Haven't been called back yet, <laughs> and I think it's because they might know that I'm asking, so I can go tell everybody what it costs. <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> Just yeah. tell them, tell them, tell them this is Greg Brown uh, from down the street, <laughs> and uh, and they'll get right back to you. This is downtown yeah, Greg Brown. Yeah, very yeah, nice. They, uh, <laughs> very nice. They uh, they're 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 talking to me at least again. I ran into them at at Educause, and they were very nice to me. I hadn't talked to somebody at Extron in in over a year it was an uh, interesting reprieve wow so well they're nice i'm we're we're not they're they're not real happy with us but i digress 
I digress as well. So, all right, uh, moving on. This is from uh, the fine folks at, uh, good Lord, I can't talk, uh, Inside Higher Ed. And um, I'm going to share this, uh, show this picture here because it's a really bad, uh, yeah. It's called Classrooms of Shame. So I'm going to give you guys uh, the opportunity to go around the horn here and uh, give me your worst your worst classroom experience, I guess, or the worst one you've got. Greg, we'll start with you. Oh wow! Um, I'd I'd have to I'd have to check our our list, but this actually struck fairly close to home because we've we've been going through. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of how to make this short and sweetened to the point. Unlike most of the other things I rabbit trail on, um, we've we've had a lot of problems in the classrooms, and we've had a lot of problems getting the people who should be fixing the problems in the classroom actually fixing things. And so we've been ratcheting up the pressure and using a little bit of, you know. Shame, and we haven't quite resorted to uh, to uh, what, were, what are they using here? They're they're posting these online, I believe. Um, but you know, we've had the 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 leaks, and we've had the mold, and we've gosh, HVAC problems. Are you kidding? Um, case in point. Although this isn't a classroom. Um, yeah, you name it. We've had. Um, We've we've had just about everything happen, and it it wasn't a uh, classroom, fortunately, but one of our um, departmental storage rooms had a um, a sewer pipe break. Very nice. Yeah, had, we've had a number of um, number of uh, of floods. A lot of the older buildings where they've uh, they've been installing uh, fire sprinklers for the first time. We had um, what was it? The fire sprinkler went off on like a Friday night on the eighth floor of the engineering building and it finally set off a basement alarm I think late Saturday afternoon and oh, it was geez. like you know hundreds of gallons an hour in the interim and we had just you know you, you dozens of rooms where you know there is no ceiling tile no, no more ceiling tiles there's just you know tons of gray cottage cheese mm. lying on everything and it was about half classrooms and the rest were like faculty offices so god it was you know there was hell to pay yeah. but number of big floods because we get a lot of we've got a lot of old pipes around here all right uh mr brandis what would be one of one or two of your uh, your classrooms that you would rather not talk about uh well First of all, we're really lucky. We don't seem to have a whole lot of problems here, but we had a, an event space a week or so ago uh, that had a pipe running. It's on the second floor. The cafeteria is on the first floor. A chiller pipe, obviously, located between the two burst and shut down half the cafeteria and the better part of our event space for uh, for about a week. So that's about our experience. But for the most part, our facilities team is really responsive, so we don't have a lot of these shaming issues. Uh, that being said, when the HVAC is out and it's 110 degrees, it gets to be pretty toasty. But those times are few and far between. All right, uh, Mr. Tyner, I know one of yours, but <laughs> go ahead and, and, and give I just, me. But before we got on the air, I was I was telling Tim that you may notice that uh, behind me my bookshelf is rather empty. Um, we we had a we had a, a situation uh, several months ago that was um, vandalism essentially. So I, I'm not even going to count that as. Um, um, 
work with the facility services group. And anyway, we're moving back into an office because it got flooded. But I'll tell you what, I, like Mike, I, I hear these horror stories from other places and I realize how fortunate I am to work where I work. Um, nothing's perfect, right? We've got HVAC that makes more noise than we like in a, in a classroom um, and we work with facility services on that. We might have lights that are too close to our screens that we want to move. But I mean, if those are the biggest of our problems, looking at some of these pictures um, from inside higher ed, I, you know, it just, it, I look at that picture with the towels blocking <laughs> yes. the rain. I mean, it just, I don't know how that flies anywhere. I don't know how a student continues to pay money to go to a place like that. Um, you know, we've got a classroom committee that looks at carpeting and updates carpeting and painting and chairs. Um, so, you know, our classrooms, um, although some of them may be in older buildings, are really very well kept up. Um, and, and cared for. All right, and, and mine is a, a similar situation with Greg's, only it was a brand new building. Uh, it was the day before Christmas break, and uh, there was um, a, uh, the pipe that fed the, um, the sprinkler system for this building uh, burst on the top floor and literally it rained down. It, thankfully, it wasn't over the weekend. It, w it was the day before our Christmas break, though, and and there was a bunch of us running around about one o'clock in the afternoon, trying to uh, trying to save what we could. So had nothing to do with facilities. I'm, I'm like you guys. Our facilities guys are, are pretty good, uh, but we've had a couple of mishaps. So uh, you are listening to EdTech. That gentleman right there is Scott Tyner. Uh, he's from Bates College. Also with us is Mike Brandis at Palm Beach Atlantic and Greg Brown from UCLA. Uh, a couple more stories before we get going, guys. Uh, first up, uh, In Focus is adding a 70-inch to its all-in-one uh, touch Mondo PC line. And uh, if you've never touched one of these or messed with one of these Mondos, they are very, very nice. <laughs> um, they're they're huge. First I of would all. love one for Christmas. You would. I, well, then is, I, you know, I'm making a, a Christmas list right now. So you know, Greg wants a Mondo pad. <laughs> um, and as soon as yeah, as soon as that comes in from InFocus, I'll ship it right to you, uh, Mr. Brown. Um, we talked about a little bit about touch last week or last month, guys. Um, the fact that it's seventy inches and it's you know, um, does that mean that it's it's a little bit more uh, pushing smart, not just smart the the company, but smart boards and 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 you know uh, you know uh, annotating boards uh, out the window, or is, is you know this thing just still not quite there for prime time? regardless of the size. Uh, Greg, we'll start with you on this one. Is this ready for, for prime time? We've we've actually looked at um, the the Mondo pad or the or or both. Um, the the it's interesting. I've I've tried to get some people interested in the Mondo pad. I, I would love to install one. Um, it's an odd collection of a lot of third party software which made people a little ill at ease with it um, for for some reason um, so I don't know so, I, I mean I like the idea of the what is it 70 inch touch panel we mm -hmm. could we could all you know play like Fox News like we were talking about oh, last geez. one last yes. last month with our with our uh, our our desktops you could play, play a very big game of, of, of uh, angry birds on it so there you go. Uh, Scott, is this ready for prime time? Is this ready for a classroom? So, you know, I, I, I'm 
I, I should just tell you I'm not I'm not going to give my opinion on it because I've never seen it, touched it, or thought of it. But I'm going to anyway. What the hell? Um, <laughs> that's the whole so idea for, here. That's how this show works. So first of all, I want to know why a 70-inch – it's called a 70-inch tablet. <laughs> that, well, that, yeah. That one, that, the Mondeopad 70-inch touchscreen tablet. I'm just going to shove that in my backpack and head on <laughs> yeah, over there. Yeah, but they have the 55-inch <laughs> telephone version of it, so it's oh, yes, right. very nice. So, but, you know, I think we've talked about this before, so I just say for me um, – we, the the interface of that we're that we're using these to change to drive us to want to touch it or to need to touch it. Um, we are putting one of these up in not a, mon, a mondo um, or pad, but just a, a, it's actually a sharp TV that you can touch and interact with in one of our classrooms. So our faculty can stand in front of it and start their PowerPoint, advance it or whatever. There's no third-party software. It's just it's an interactive monitor for Windows 7. Okay, and so that that works. That works for them. The the fact that you can walk up to it and, and advance it and everything. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right, Mike. Is this uh, last last one for you? Uh, is this is this ready for for classrooms? No. Uh, it's let me rephrase that. It's not ready for my classrooms. Okay. Um, nor is the Sharp Aquas board that um, that Scott referenced. Um, all in ones are great, um, but I've got to have a lot more integrity on the PC side before I put it on my domain. Um, Maybe I'm one of the fewer technology managers out there that really, um, you know, handles the PC side as well. But it, the PC is not there for me. the The idea is cool, um, but any sort of touch monitor and software can do that at a much lower price point than a projector. Um, I just don't see the need for a 70-inch uh, touchscreen display. I don't see the need for smart boards even. But hey, that's just me. Um, you know, no, I'm with you. I don't, I don't. I don't think anybody has seen the need for smart boards yet. So, uh, Mike, the the one that we're using is is not an all-in-one. It's it's a oh, okay. it's a touch monitor. Because I'm with you. Um, you know the like you said, our our we don't I don't manage the computer piece, but our computer guys are like, no, you're not. We're not going to start putting on random computers on our network. Yeah, we, we got that. that too. Yeah, we got that too. Yeah, I don't want to put any technology out there that's suspect that I'm going to have to, you know, whether lately it seems no matter what what it is, um, if it's in a classroom, I'm handling it. So if the lights went out, or you know, if the PC stopped working, <laughs> or if the whiteboard fell off the wall, I'm the first call, which is fine. Um, but I'm not I'm not eager about putting technology in classrooms that you know. We had a uh, screen fall off the wall. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, big uh, like eight foot roll down screen fell down and hit the instructor. <laughs> nice one, Greg. Way to go! Yeah. You say that with such like confidence and <laughs> happiness, like you designed it. To do that. And my group had nothing to do with the hanging of said screen. Fortunately, he, he says with a wink. Are you sure he didn't no, pull it didn't. down on himself? Probably because they just, they beat the hell out of the equipment. Yeah. They probably were. And I would say it. Probably served him right, but I, I can't for legal reasons. I understand. I understand. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, real quickly, one uh, one last story here. Uh, Almo's E4 tour comes to New Jersey. Uh, not that it's close to any of us, but Almo is uh, has been uh, famous for doing their tours, and they do them uh, fairly uh, prevalent around the country. Um, closest one to me here in the last couple of years was actually in Chicago. Uh, Greg, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, do do little regional shows like this uh, interest you and, and make you want to go, or are you pretty much focused on you can go once a year and that's pretty much Infocom or something else? 
love love the regional show is actually writing a uh, a blog about it for uh, Infocom All Voices. Uh, there's a gratuitous plug. Um, the Almo show they really discourage end users. They like quiz you about who your Almo rep is. So I'm kind of like you know screw them if you don't want end users you know. Well, we don't need your show, but there are plenty of other ones. You know, um, all your your big integrators, AVI SPL puts on a good local show. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of your big manufacturers, Panasonic does something locally. Um, a lot of your independent reps do local shows. We get a lot of that stuff around here, so you know, it's no great loss, really. Well, and I'm not talking about Almo specifically because you're right; they 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 don't cater necessarily to, to end users but local shows in general are, are they something beneficial to you or huge huge, huge benefit yeah okay. huge benefit i mean and it's not really yeah i think what a lot of people the mistake a lot of people make you you sit there and you look at the 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 list of the vendors that are going to be there and you look at the list of the speakers and you're like well you know that doesn't sound that interesting but you know you go there you talk to people you get in the conversations you network a bit you you know what you're looking at isn't necessarily what you're shopping for, but that precipitates some sort of other conversation, which rabbit trails into something useful, like you know, like we do at the show all the time. And so, yeah, I, I find them hugely valuable. And you know, yeah, try to go to the go to them any chance I get. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike, do you find uh, local regional shows uh, beneficial uh, in in uh, furthering your education or, or or information about products? Yeah, I think anytime you have a chance to, I mean, I think we would all say that Infocom's the show in the summer is hugely beneficial. And I don't think that you can say just because the size and the scope of the show reduces for a regional show that it's not beneficial. There's, uh, For me, it's a chance to see new products that maybe I didn't get as much time with at Infocom because there were 8,000 other people in the booth. Yeah. Uh, it's a chance for me to talk to you know, reps, again, that I might not have had a chance to because there were 8,000 people in the booth. So for me, the way I like to approach things is Infocom's a great time for me to kind of just get familiar with products and then regional shows. I really like to get down and dirty, put it through its paces, kind of see what I can do with it and see if it's right for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I can do that much easier when there's three or four people in the booth with me than when there's 8,000 of my closest friends. Yeah, that's, that's a valid point. I didn't think about that. Uh, Scott, is it are the regional ones uh, regional shows good for you? Um, do you like going you know, to them? I mean, yeah, they're they're awesome. And, and the the um, the thriving metropolis of uh, Lewiston, Maine. You no, know, I wasn't going to mention that. We have dozens and dozens of shows at the local Ramada Inn okay. every. <laughs> okay, so hang on for a second. Remind people where exactly in Maine. First of all, the fact that you're in Maine, right? So you're in the right. You're not he, quite not the northernmost state. Can see it from his. <laughs> You can't if you were to, if you were to start in Boston and put your snow tires on nice. and drive about uh, two and a half hours uh, northeast, uh, you would hit Lewis and Maine. It's about forty five minutes uh, north of Portland, Maine, which is the closest big city, which has. Uh, maybe seventy-five thousand people in it. Um, so you know, if we want to see a show, we got to go to Boston. And even then, you know, Boston is a, a favorite town in, in the in the world. But it's you know, Boston. It's not New York City. So you really got to go to New York City if you want to see some of these bigger these um, bigger regional shows. Yeah. So, but with that said, I do think that they're how, how close to Canada are you? <laughs> Depends what part of Canada. How close to Canada are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but they are. They're really fantastic. For the big reason that Mike said, you know, I go to Infocom. I haven't been for a couple of years now, but you go to Infocom and you get a lot out of it on a separate training. But man, I sit on that show floor sometimes, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what my point here is. Getting to talk to somebody is near impossible. Um, so you know, and I also think even if you don't use the products, like let's say Greg said Panasonic, I don't use Panasonic, but I might go to one of their shows for a free lunch. No, not just for a free lunch, but. Um, Training's that's, training, that's all right? Our story we're sticking to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Training, training is training. Whether it's on a product you use or not, you learn about HD base T, you learn about video over IP, and it, it can only help you. Okay. But you know the the guys, I I toss in there. Those, you, you know, if you're spending a lot of time at Infocom, at the Panasonic booth, at the Crestron booth, at at folks like that, you know, you you are going about the show all wrong. I mean, you know that we, we don't. Even even in in beautiful Lewiston, Maine, don't you have like people from Crestron and, and Panasonic stopping by and trying to sell you projectors at least semi regularly? No, never. Never. I don't have I don't have that in South Florida. Okay, I, maybe it's a again a regional sort of thing. I have it might never be a had size a thing. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I don't get that as a four thousand in university, whereas you're certainly much larger than we are. So these regional shows represent a chance for me to to kind of get that more personalized service that I don't get from reps stopping in. Well, you know, Mike, it's funny you say that because I I think it's a size thing as well, and I'll tell you, and I've said this before, I have. Other than you know the, the 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 call you might get from a telemarketer, I've actually never had a serious cold call. Somebody calls say, I, "I represent Panasonic in the Northeast, and I want to come and meet with you." Never, not once. Um, and you know, you'd think. I mean, it, it, you know, check check LinkedIn. I got my 11 year anniversary at Bates this year, this month. Uh, in 11 years, it have happened, and it hasn't. And I I can't even I can't even get over that. I, I think that even at, even with the size that we're at. You think somebody would stop by? <laughs> They'd want to take a vacation in Maine or something and yeah. use that as an excuse. I don't get it. Okay, so, so okay, okay, I am not UCLA, right? I I work for a small community college. I mean, you guys are all four-year universities. I'm a small little community college. I at least get cold called. Not you know, probably not the extent of, of, of UCLA, but at least once a month, once every every other month. Um, and depending on the rep, and depending on the company, and depending on on what you know, this, that, and the other. But, you know, I've seen both my Crestron, um, well, my Extron rep, I, we got a new one, and in, in, anyhow, that's the old rep I, I saw at least once a year. My Crestron rep I've seen at least once every six months. Um, so I don't, I, I don't, I may, maybe it, it's just a regional thing, and maybe it's just individual reps, because um, that's one thing that's interesting to me, because both my Extron rep and, and my Crestron rep are both pretty, uh, pretty on the ball. I, I think it's also individual reps because, yeah, you know, my, my Panasonic rep, rep Andy Dick, and uh, for Crestron, uh, I'm sorry, you're, you're... Brenda, Brenda Brooke. Huh? Is that is that is what it... he's doing now that he can't get in, in television shows anymore? Thank you for making uh, that joke no, for me. No, uh, <laughs> you beat me uh, to it, Scott. <laughs> if, if, the, if that's the closest we get to, never mind. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're both traveling around constantly. Uh, calling on schools, but yeah, you know there are other companies that I never hear from, and you know they're companies we don't buy stuff from because we don't hear from them, mm-hmm. or or hear from them very infrequently, or they're just plain, you know, you have some 
crazy guy who just shows up, you know, unannounced randomly and 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 doesn't show up when you need him sort of stuff. You know, we've we've had that too. So I, I think it you, you just happen to mention two sort of real hot button companies for us, yeah. you know, that, that we see all the time. Well, you know, it's it's funny you say because I I will tell you that, uh, and, and anybody who's listening to this show knows this. If you compare uh, what we spend on Crestron to what we spend on Extron, we probably spend 10% on Extron what we spend on Crestron. And I hear more from my Extron rep. I hear from Mike every two or three months. He gives me a ring. I haven't heard from my Crestron rep in probably three years. Holy cow! Do you still have wow. one in that region? <laughs> I mean, does, <laughs> is there still someone supposed to be servicing you? Oh wow. <laughs> See, I hear from my, I'm the exact opposite. I spend ninety percent extra on ten percent Crestron, and I hear from both reps on almost a weekly basis. Wow! But I don't, wow. I don't get a chance to. The regional trainings for me are things like displays, projectors, you know, some of the smaller technologies that, you know, I don't have a dedicated rep and account that I'm buying something from, you know, every three, four months, et cetera. Yeah. Wow. All right, guys, that is going to do it uh, for this month. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. With us has been Scott Tyner. Scott uh, works for Bates College. He also is a fine journalist and blogger at ravepubs.com. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. It's, as always, it was a blast. And where can people find you? Uh, as you said, I, I do a, a column and I do some blogging for Rave Pubs. I'm, I'm on Twitter at, at S. Tyner. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to get more and more on LinkedIn. Um, but Twitter is probably the, the place I'm, I spend most of my time. Okay. Uh, also with us, uh, brand new, so everybody, uh, you guys were, were nice to him. Uh, his name is Mike Brandis. He is at Palm Beach Atlantic. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It was good to be on. Uh, you can, I guess, visit my website, MikeBrandisAV.com, or find me on Twitter, at MikeBrandisAV. All right. And last but not least, his name is Greg Brown. Uh, as he mentioned, he writes for uh, Infocom's All Voices, and he is the chair, the current chair, of our infamous um, Technology Managers Council. Oh, you uh, know, I'm on... glad you remember. You reminded me. We have a meeting planned. We have a meeting planned, and, and, and hold on. I'll, I'll tell okay. you when oh, it is. is it... It's in December. Uh, if you are part, it's December 11th, 11 o'clock Pacific. So if you are a technology manager, if you're part of the technology manager's council, um, look for an announcement from Infocom with the link to that. We, we do it online. If you are not a member of the technology manager, manager's council, but you're a technology manager, go to the Infocom website and become part of the technology manager's council and then join us December 11th at 11 o'clock Pacific time for our council meeting and there's a bunch of really cool stuff that's going to be uh, discussed, which is part of the reason we're having our first meeting in December after the show. Will there be lunch served? Uh, if you, yeah, brown bag it. <laughs> okay. We're all, right. all going to brown bag it and eat our lunch at the same time. Awesome. And you'll hear lots of, you know, Lovely. smacking noises the entire time. All right. Where can people find you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Chairman? Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter at AVGreg, uh, and like you said, Infocom All Voices. Very good. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, uh, TD, Tim David Albright, A-L-B-R-I-G-H-T, but more importantly for me and all the folks that uh, make the website and make this thing go around, 
Go by the website if you would, please, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this podcast as well as our other monthlies. We have one on social media and marketing. Uh, we have a, a control show, and we, of course, have our weekly AV Week, which wraps up the uh, weekly news and information for AV, uh, the AV industry. So go by the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. This has been EdTech.